All right then. Morning, Barney. How's it going? Yeah, very good, man. Yeah. I stayed up for it. I did it. Stayed up till ten, <laughs> which is the latest I've been up to a while. Nice. And man, I wasn't. I mean, I went. I went to go straight to bed afterwards. But man, it took me a while to get to sleep. I was. Uh, the adrenaline was pumping. It was great. I was. I was. I was buzzing last night. I'm with you, mate. It was fantastic evening of football. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to the listeners as well. This is episode 33 of Longball Football. Slightly different episode for you today. Uh, as we're alluding to, it is Thursday morning where we're recording. Um, the morning after the night before, obviously Liga Nush wrapped up last night with some incredible dramatic football. Very different type of episode today. It's going to be me and Barney are freewheeling it. There's no notes. There's no plan. <laughs> we just wanted to get our thoughts down on paper immediately after the night before. So, wow. <laughs> Where to start? Honestly, for anybody else who who followed uh, last night's action, we were not disappointed. We expected a bit of drama. We didn't know quite how it was going to go. Uh, obviously, the headlines being Santa Clara nicking that last European football place. They condemned Ferenz to automatic relegation, second from bottom. And it was Rio Ave, despite winning their game, who will be in the relegation playoff after Boavista also won their game against Gil Vicente. There was so much to take in, finally. Let's start with the positives. Let's start with Santa Clara. Qualifying for Europe for only the second time in their history, I'm led to believe. They enter the new UEFA Conference League in the second qualifying round. They absolutely thumped Ferenc 4-0, you know, to secure that spot. The scenes were so, so nice to watch after after the Santa Clara game ended, the Santa Clara team were, were just so joyous in their celebrations. I think it's easy to forget how much this means to them. You know, the, the Europa Conference League is almost not a joke tournament, but it's the third European tournament, you know, the third in that tier. It's easy to dismiss it as, as meaningless, but for a team like Santa Clara to, to get European football, it's an incredible achievement. And I think they completely earned it over this season. You know, I'm sure you agree with that. Definitely, man. And I think, you know, this week I've been, you know, just seeing talk around the Premier League, for example, and like, you know, potentially Tottenham finishing this conference league space and mm. fans saying they don't even want it. It's like, you know, mm. the, you know, it's embarrassing to be in this competition. But then, yeah. like you said, man, this is a complete contrast. It, it clearly meant so much to Santa Clara. I think it's the highest finish in their history in the league, which is great mm. for them. The most wins in a season. And like, like I said, they're going to be playing teams like Tottenham. This is incredible for them. This is going to be mm. such like a... a, a a massive experience to go to these places across Europe. I mean, obviously they got to qualify first. Yeah, thing, yeah. That. But, you know, I mean, I, I was really, really happy for them, you know, despite friends getting raggy. <laughs> no, honestly, delightful for them. If they do, if they do, if they do get drawn Tottenham, I'll be straight down to Tottenham Stadium to watch Tottenham versus Santa Clara. Mm. That would be a great fixture. I think I, I was really pleased for them as well because, you know, this season there's been there's been a few teams flirting with that relegate with that um Europe, Europa spot, right? You know, we had Victoria, Victoria de Gimmerich. I don't think they deserved it. The way they've been playing in the second half of the season, we'll get onto that in a second. I've got some stats for you about that, Barney. Uh they really don't deserve it. So I'm pleased that they were unseated on the last day. Morrowinds, you know, they were kind of solid, a little bit unspectacular. They were in and around that area. Even Family Cow made a very late surge after being rock bottom at the table. But it feels like Santa Clara deserved that last spot. They were there the whole season. I think they've played consistently well the whole season. And there's been some great um, success stories from that team as well. You know, some of the players that have emerged from that side. Uh, Kryzan got a couple of goals in this game. He's been great this season. Carlos Jr., I think he can nick a goal as well. Yeah. Um, 
he was been he's been fantastic. Marita was also on the score sheet. That was a really nice way for him to cap what's been a breakout season for him in Portugal. His first season in the country, he's been getting plaudits rightfully from all over the Portuguese journalist spectrum. You know, players like Lincoln as well. You know. Yeah, and I, you mentioned Marita as well. I, I wanted to Alano as well. You know, both those players, Marita and Alano, came in in January, mm. and you know what a difference they've made to that sort of enabling Santa Clara to sustain that momentum. Because you know, it was the first half of the season, wasn't it, with uh, Tiago Santana at the top? Then they were like, you know, looking good. Yeah. And then as soon as that move came out for Santa, uh, Tiago Santana to go to Japan, whereas I was like, oh, is it going to happen? Are they going to keep yeah, up? Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, two brilliant signings and they've just they've maintained it and that, that that's been the difference between them and Vittoria and say Morens that they have been consistent they have a, like they've lost a few games perhaps that we thought they wouldn't but mm. you know generally they've they've been a really 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 good team yeah it's, it's funny as well because if you, if you almost take the sentiment out of it and you take the history out of it you know if you take out the fact that this is the first time to qualify for Europe and you look purely at the way they've played their football this this year it's been good but I think there's been a couple of times this season from both of us where we've almost suggested that just based on the team that they've got and the way that they're playing that there's there's games that they should have done better in and actually perhaps they should have set their standards slightly higher that's going to sound really harsh I'm not saying that to be harsh I'm saying that to be positive I'm saying there's more to come from from this team and uh, and you know it, it bodes well for the future I know they've got a very ambitious uh, president very bad ambitious owner um, they've just re-elected the same president did you see at the end of the game, Barney, the president and the manager? Uh, what is the that? <laughs> I don't get it at all. So the manager, and the, the manager and the president, both in cow onesies. <laughs> I haven't got a fucking clue what's going on there, but it's it's so funny. Anyway, it seems like there's a great atmosphere around the club, you know. And it's funny also because people talk about Santa Clara obviously not being a mainland club, being so far away from the mainland, almost being, you know, sometimes people treat them as like an inconvenience to have to go and play. Mm. I think what's nice for them is to kind of state their rightful place in this league and say to people, look, we're, we're a team that's to be taken seriously. We're not just this annoying club that you have to fly to once or twice a season. You know, we're a real contender in this league. I would love to see them build on next season, Barney. Can you see it happening? They might lose their players. That's the only thing you've got to be worried about. Well, Albert, this is what I was thinking. You know, with with this Europa Conference League, which we mm. have never had before, if you're a Portuguese team finishing fifth or sixth, you know, you've got no European football, that you know, and your players are going to get snapped up by other clubs in Europe, or perhaps mm. say uh, other clubs like Victoria who challenge for Europe regularly, but perhaps didn't get into the competition that particular season. But the fact that they're in Europe this season, mm. you see how much it meant to those players. How exciting it must be the prospect of you know challenging Europe. I think they've got a strong chance of keeping some of those players. I I honestly think they can they can build in it because I think the the signs they made in January. They'll mm. be tempted to stay another season. Too. I mean, you know, they, they could be pinched, one or two of them, but the majority of them, I think, are a good enough standard to play for Santa Clara in Europe, but perhaps, because they're not all youngsters, are they? They're sort of mm. fair 25, 26, 27. Mm. And so that could perhaps be another factor in sort of making it easy for Santa Clara to keep them because clubs are going to not see that much growth in these players. Yeah, obviously, like, the Conference League doesn't have the pull of, say, the Europa League or the Champions League. So, you know, maybe one or two of those players could be influenced by a move to like a, a Braga level team, maybe a team abroad at a similar level. But I think what it does do is it buys them probably another season with some of these mm. players. You know, the fact that they say to the lads, look, you've got us here, let's enjoy this season in Europe together. I think it it, it possibly buys them uh, a season with, you know, if you're a Chrysan, if you're a Carlos Junior, whereas in the past, if you'd finished outside of Europe, you'd have been thinking, right, I've had a good season, what's my next step? Whereas now you're thinking... 
you know, there's a sense of mentality there. There's a there's a team bonding there. You're thinking, oh, I might stick around with this group and enjoy what we've earned together. Obviously, as you alluded to, this result came at the expense of Ferenc. Four nil loss, a massive loss, and it wasn't the fairy tale ending that that they would have wanted. It wasn't the fairy tale ending that Ryan Gould would have wanted. It was a really poor defeat, and I think sadly, it kind of highlighted every weakness that Ferenc have for me. The most obvious one is just that shocking defence, which is simply not capable of coping at this level. You know, there's no big elaborate explanation as to why they've not survived. The fact is they just haven't got the uh, good enough players. Look, people know that we talk about friends a lot. I don't think we try and pretend not to be biased. Like we we do this podcast because we love the football. We love the emotion. We love the drama. And we've definitely both been caught up in kind of forensic story, really. We love an underdog, you know, who doesn't? And it, to a certain extent, we we would have loved them to stay up just because it would have it would have completed a really nice story. But on the other hand, I think we've both been honest about the fact that if they do go down, which they did, it's because they're not good enough. And I think this performance really exemplified that. Yeah, for sure. And I think you know to be sort of continue on from that. I think we've been discussing in the last few weeks, like you know, there is that underdog story, but. At the end of the day, their games aren't brilliant, are they? But no. there's not enough quality in that team that that sort of that you can enjoy the football. It's more the narrative of their story that makes you um, keeps the interest going. Mm. Um, I've I've got a, a probably an unpopular take for this podcast, Albert. If you want to hear it, go on. Um, Am I going to suck you after this? Yeah, you might do. Um, <laughs> Ryan Gould's the reason friends got relegated. And <laughs> no, 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 just, just, I'm just looking into this game, man, because what I was thinking is, you know, he's been a great, obviously we talk about Ryan Gould all the time, but in this particular game, Ryan Gould essentially, as he does every game, plays a, a very free role behind the striker, doesn't he? He's like mm-hmm. that. Um, and he's, he pops up all over the pitch and he does put a shift in defensively, you know, he works hard, but I'm starting. To, I feel like in this game, his, his because he can pop up anywhere on the pitch. The other players, perhaps, don't know how to press well because they don't know where he's positioned. Mm. They perhaps need to stick an, an extra body in the midfield, maybe go free in midfield, because it just meant that. With, basically, what I'm trying to say is, with a squad of that quality, which is incredibly poor, you can't afford, in my opinion, in such a, a pressure game to give someone the luxury of a free roaming role. Mm. You need that stability. You need that set position. So every player knows their job because that you said, like you said, the defense is the weakest part mm. and the easiest way to have a strong defense is to be organized and do your simple jobs well. And with someone running about the pitch, popping up everywhere, it just makes that a little bit harder for those players to find their positions, find the man they're marking. And so, yeah. yeah, that's my that's my unpopular take. <laughs> well, no, I, I accept it. It's a good point. Just to counter that, though, Barney, they had to go out and get a win today. There was yeah. there was no way they could hold on for a draw. They did have to go out and try and get a win because, you know, they couldn't rely on Rio Ave losing. They couldn't rely on Boavista losing. They had to go out and and try to some extent to to forge their own destiny in this game. I think when you look at the scoreline and you look at the performance, obviously they were not equipped to do that. Uh, and and it completely backfired. I think perhaps there would have been more pride in them just grinding out a result and trying to nick a one nil. Who knows? Maybe they wouldn't have even been capable of doing that. Oh, but that's that was absolutely the game plan they had to play. You know, mm. we, we, they we, they can't kid themselves. They're gonna get a few goals. They had to. That Santa Clara had been decent. They needed to be solid and nick a late, uh, nick a one goal, like you said. And I think 
I think it was poor management um, in this game. I think they the game plan was so wrong, you know, and uh, it was such a poor, like, you know, I text you saying, not like this. Because yeah. it was just such a, yeah. it was such a shame the way it all ended for them. Well, let's talk about Ryan Goldbrine. And again, I know I know people might be some people might be getting a little bit sick of us mentioning him every week, but <laughs> I don't think we make any apologies as British fans of of Portuguese football, of you know being fans of a British lad doing so well in Portugal. We, you know we love watching him play every week, but it was it was an awful day for Ryan. I mean, obviously not called up for the Scotland squad, and then being relegated with Ferenz in the matter that he was. He had no impact on the game. He went off injured 15 minutes before the end, you know. It must be one of the lowest days in his career. And I just hope it doesn't take away anything from what has been an incredible individual season. You know, he's given so much to that club. The club's given a lot to him. He's proved his value in this league over the last 12 months. It's been wonderful to watch. Uh, I hope he gets a bigger move and I hope selfishly that he stays in this league. I'm sure there are teams in this league that will want him at the top end of the table, but just an awful day at the office for him. Yeah, I think he will be. I think he'll be gutted for Ferenc. You know, mm. I, I think there's just just always just that little... There was very close, weren't they? Always in games throughout the season. They've been close just to keeping it safe then. Like, you know, it just was all too much. I mean, I, the one thing I've, I've thought of, like, when they went like 3-0 down or 4-0 down, man, and then what was it like half an hour left to play 25 minutes? I, I mm. don't know how, how any of those players could keep going on. It just must be like you've given everything all well. We like to think they've given everything all season. And mm. to be on the pitch, particularly Ryan Gold, I mean, like it just just I don't I, I can't imagine the emotions they were experiencing and then having to concentrate, having to try and like because you, you know you might get a goal or two at the most. You, you, there's no way they're mm. coming back from that that scoreline. Yeah. No, very tough. Yeah, I mean, I, I sad it is. I'm actually very excited for Ryan Gould's future because I I think he'll stay in this league. I think you'll, mm. you know, there's rumours of Braga. I think potentially some one of the top three might come in for that. So, you know, seeing imagine him in a in a, a decent squad, man, where players actually get on the end of his balls or like you know able to control a pass, he fizzes into them. Like imagine that it'd be so good. Let's just talk about the Scotland snub very briefly, Barney. Obviously, we don't watch Scotland and Scotland's players week in, week out, but there's no doubt in either of our minds that this guy is good enough to play for them. I think what's interesting and what's exciting is that we're only just starting to see the beginning of Ryan Gould's career, which is a funny thing to say about a 25-year-old. And we were both gutted that he didn't get selected for the Scotland squad, but the one point that I was able to accept, and I think is a fair point, that this is only Ryan's second proper season playing men's football of his career. Let's not forget that he had so many seasons before this disrupted by injury and load moves. I mean, unless you count the very first year of his career at Dundee when he was a 16, 17 year old kid, you know. So I can accept that he's not played the football that other other players have had. But that does make it all the more exciting because the, at this point, he's got so many options and the ceiling for him is so high. The heights that he can reach are, uh, are, are going to be really exciting to see. And And for a player that, you know, we followed so much this year to know that this is just the beginning is very exciting. And, you know, we both obviously wish him all the best for next season and very selfishly hoping that it's remaining in this league because I want to be watching Ryan Gould week in, week out. I want to be watching him with good players and I want to be watching him playing European football. Yeah, I mean, the only thing to add to this, the Scotland snub for me is that you just met, like you mentioned, this is only his second season playing, you know, first team football. But then there's players in that squad who have barely featured all season for, for mm-hmm. in that Scottish team. And oh, another thing to add as well is that, you know, Scotland aren't guaranteed to get into every major competition, be it the World Cup or the Euros. So it's 25. 
there might be like what three three competitions left where he potentially like might get in, and he's just got to rely on Scotland getting in, and we don't know that's going to happen. But yeah, great season. Looking forward to next season for Ryan. I think he's going to be once again one of the best players in this league. Absolutely. Well, let's deal with the last two games. Obviously, Rio have and Boa Vista. We kind of predicted before that they would be the two teams fighting for that relegation playoff spot. They both won their games. They both did what they had to do. But obviously, that that meant that it was Rio Ave who remained in the relegation playoff spot. That's a game that no one wants to play, Barn. It's going to be a very tricky game. Looks like it's going to be uh, with either Vizela or Aruka from the second division. I'm not sure when that game's taking place, but I know that I'm really looking forward to it. Let's start with Boa Vista, Barney, the team that survived. Wonderful, wonderful scenes at the end of the game. I was so pleased with them. I think we both wanted them to stay up. We want the teams with history to be in this league. And whatever you say about Boa Vista, whatever disappointing season they've had, that's a team with real history. That's a Portuguese club who belongs in the top flight. I was delighted to see them get the goals that they needed to stay up. Against the Gil Vicente side, let's not forget, that's not an easy game. You know, Gil Vicente have not set the world alight, but that's a tricky game for Boa Vista. They got the win that they needed. And I think the attitude was summed up by it at the end of the game when you see Adil Rami, a man who's won the World Cup with France only a few years ago, crying on the pitch because he's managed to help Boa Vista survive relegation. It was just a wonderful, wonderful scene. And I'm delighted that they'll be back next year. A lot of improvement that they need to do next year, but I'm delighted that they've got another chance. Yeah, I think I am as well. I mean, I have been very frustrated with them this season. I think they've really disappointed. Like you mentioned out of Rami, like he's a, like you said, a World Cup winning centre-back, but, you know, he hasn't really managed to influence that defence and being solid enough this season. I thought the game was, yeah, it was a really, really good game, wasn't it? I think they basically worked out finally what they do well, which is, I think, is going on the break and, you know, mm-hmm. using Albert Fettis. I was a bit surprised that G didn't start in this game, actually, Albert, because they, they needed a win. They needed some goals. And I think when him, Ellis and Angel Gomez have all been on the pitch at the same time, I think that's when Bo Vista have their best this season. Obviously, he came on, got um, got a goal, got the winning penalty, which was a hell of a penalty, man. He had, mm. like, if, like a, a centimetre more into the goal the keeper would have saved that it was absolutely pinpoint yeah. although he did slip so I don't know if it was all, all skill <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I mean Alba Fellis I think had a really good game as well the assist was absolutely gorgeous but yeah I think I think the gamble of the experienced players hasn't necessarily and peppering with very young experienced players hasn't paid off they need a mm. bit more they need this sort of middle ground don't they where they need some more players who are experienced in this league but are not 36 37 <laughs> no, I totally agree with you they obviously went on quite an experimental transfer push last year and that resulted in in my opinion their best player Alba Fellas. so I don't yep. think you can argue with that I think Reggie Cannon also an expensive signing but I think he'll prove to be a good signing and ultimately a profitable signing. I would like to see them shopping more domestically this year. I think that would be a good move. I think they should try and model. I mean, if you compare two teams, Boa Vista and Morarens, for example, Morarens, a team who've looked solid all season, they've managed to stay completely away from safety the whole year. They didn't make a single flashy signing. You know, they've only got players that are kind of experienced domestically they've played sensible football and they've managed to they've managed to have a good season for themselves so I think that's the kind of model that Boa Vista if they want to you know just shore themselves up to get themselves into a better position to keep building I think that's the type of model that that, that they should be looking at of course one of the players that came in in the summer Barney and we're talking about British players playing the league of course Angel Gomez we've watched Angel Gomez now play his last game possibly in Portuguese football It'd be very sad to see if you've got any you got any thoughts on his season? I think 
obviously he came from Manchester United where he thought he was under, underused. What he wanted was game time and game time at a valuable level. Uh, and I think he got that. And I think he proved himself to be a player that's capable of playing at a high level of influencing games in tricky situations. Uh, and I think for both parties, it's been it's been very positive, that move. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, some of the performances he's put in this season have been, you know, some of the best I've seen. Um, I think of that one against Benfica where he was just like, you know, mm. unreal. I think the whole the fact that Bovis has been struggling all season has sort of led me to sort of not see him as good as he has been, if you know what I mean. I perhaps haven't given him enough credit because he is the their best player, in my opinion. I, I, Ellis is close, but for me, the way what he does for that team you know, his creativity, the way he can sort of just control the ball high up the pitch and let the other players get up there to join him is, is invaluable. Um, I don't know if he'll, I don't know much about Lille. They, they mm. might win the league, might they? But I, so I don't know if he'll get that many minutes there and whether he will look to do another loan move. And I, I don't know if I can say he's good enough to, to start for Lille. I, I, it's a hard one. I think he's obviously, he's got age on his side, hasn't he? So, mm. I'd love to see him back in this league, perhaps at a, a, a better club than Boa Vista. So we'll have to see what happens. It is, it's an interesting one. I think, Albert, did you... Because obviously Samuelino got his goal in the penalty <laughs> spot yeah. and then missed a second penalty, which, you know, could have completely changed things. Um, mm, of course. Quick question. If, you, if you've if you taken a penalty already in the game and you scored it, do you take the second one or do you let someone else take it? I think you have to take it, surely. You have to take it. You've got to back yourself. I mean, the penalties, there was some real drama in these games. I think... These two games are worth focusing on. There was the missed penalty in the Boa Vista game. There was the penalty that wasn't given in the Rio Ave game, which I think was a was a very contentious point. But in my opinion, the right decision. I want to give you some credit here, Barney. Samuelino has been fantastic, and he's a really good player. I'm, I'm serious, and 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 we're laughing about it, but he is a really good player. He's a young kid, and no one's talking about him, and no one's really talking about Juve Sense either. I think he's such a talented guy. How old is he? Twenty one. Yeah, twenty one. Young kid takes the penalties. He looks really bright. I think he's I think he's got a bright future in the league. I wonder if he should be looked at by some of the bigger clubs. But, uh, you know, I don't really hear anyone else talking about him and, and you've been a champion of his since the beginning of the season. So, yeah, credit to you for that. Yeah, I just wish he replied to my Twitter messages. Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, I think I think he's looked good. I've, I think, yeah, Gilvicente have been this really interesting team where they've got, I think they've got some really underrated players in that team mm. I think um, is it Marcus he's on loan from Sporting isn't he young striker yeah, um, yeah I think he's been great I think he's got 12 appearances he's got a fair few goals they'll do well to get him again next season because I think it's been important for them yeah I think it was about right I think the only thing I would say is the, the winning penalty in this game I thought he was going bit down soft. yeah bit I, think soft. We, I think we agree on this I think when you look at it, he's got two players either side of him it's a tough one because I think he starts to dive and is then taken out by the player. Yeah. So it's a tricky one. I'm not actually sure what the rules are. Maybe the rules differ slightly in Portugal. I think I remember watching Match the Day recently and in, at least in England, the rule was because the player was already going down, the penalty was ruled out. So obviously not entirely sure what the rules are, but I think I think we agree on that. We've got to talk about Rio Albani. I don't want to forget yeah. about them because we've hammered them in recent weeks. I've I've almost called for them to go down just based on how poor they've been. And to be fair, it might be 33 games too late and against a team that's already relegated, but they did manage to get themselves up for this game. They went 1-0 down, which was a bit of a scare, but they didn't throw in the towel. They kept their heads up, they kept playing their football and they got the two goals that they needed. They won 2-1. Machino started this game on the left. I thought he had a very good game. He hasn't started that many games this year, the Japanese winger on loan from Manchester City. 
what did you make of the game, Barney? Yeah, I think you got a spot on there when you said like they finally managed to get themselves up for it, didn't they? I mm. think it was an interesting one because I thought CD National actually put in a good account for themselves. Um, they did frustrate um, Ruav, although you know Philippe, the CD National goalkeeper, had an incredible game, made a lot of saves, really um, did well to keep them out for so long. But then, yeah, it's like Mane, man of the match, got a goal late on. Best I've ever seen him play, and it's taken it all season. Mm. I think he's got the record in this game. He had the record for the most shots in the game, mm. and the most successful passes in a, in a game all season for, in the whole league. Yeah. And like, where's that been all season? The defense are pretty solid as well. I mean, it was it was it was very funny when when they got the late winner and they thought they'd done it, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but the manager knew. Oh, that was kind I mean, of harsh. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. the players the players celebrating like they'd stayed up, and the manager has to sort of jog down the touchline and tell them actually, Bo Vista are winning. Yeah, quite harsh. But look, I think a relegation playoff is is fair for them based on where they've been. They've got one more game now that they need to get themselves up for. It's funny, Bonnie, because I've been an, I've been an open critic of the relegation playoff format on this show, and I would like to eat my words slightly because my criticism was based on the fact that the top division team usually always wins, so I don't really see it as a fair game. But the one thing that I will totally accept is that the relegation playoff and the possible relegation for a third team in this league has made for some of the most exciting football that we've seen all year uh, yeah. last night. Those two games between Rio Ave and, and, and Bovis, those two games with two teams knowing they have to fight for survival, whereas usually there would have been two teams long relegated and they would have been, you know, they would have been comfortably just, just playing out their games. It made for some really exciting football. If you're going to be really bold, you could go for three relegation spots. I mean, maybe that's a bit too big, much of a step forward based on, you know, the... the the difference in standard between the two leagues, but I, I'm really, really happy to to eat my words a bit and and say that the relegation playoff has meant for some some really exciting football this year. Absolutely, I mean, yeah, these these are two of the most exciting games. Well, it's the most the best game I've seen Riyadh all season. Absolutely, game. What do you think Riyadh needs to do, man? Because I, that squad is so good, and is it a new manager? Like, because I don't for me they don't they only have to sign like one player, and that's a striker. Well, we were texting about this, and I think I think you know my opinion on this. But but for the benefit of the listeners, when Rio have had their successful season, they made a very very big statement appointment by appointing Carlos Cavalli out as their manager. Right? They showed ambition, and it paid off. I would like to see them do the same thing again: make a big statement appointment and make some big statement signings and show some ambition. I mean, I'm not obviously I'm not knowledgeable enough to to give you many managerial names. But, you know, a, a manager like Bruno Lage is currently unemployed. I would like to see them go for a name like that, a, t- a manager that's managed at a high level. In terms of signings, we've we've spoken at length about how there is plenty of talent in that squad. I think they still need one or two pieces of the puzzle, maybe a centre-back. And I think definitely they need a striker, an out-and-out striker I'm talking about as well. I think there's potential there. They have seriously got to get their act together, though. I mean, we're talking about next season as if they're going to stay up, but I feel like they should be all right. I think the quality is there. I think, you know, we, we saw what it meant to players like Manor who really stepped up in this game when it was, you know, when it when it really came down to the crunch. And I think they'll be able to do it again. I think, you know, the defence as well, they were solid. Well, look, there was one more bit of drama up for grabs that I don't think we really predicted. And that was, of course, who was going to win the golden boot. Now, at the beginning of the game week, Seferovic and Pote were tied on 19 goals. Obviously, Benfica played before 
Sporting and and Seferovic grabbed two goals to get up to 21 goals for the season. Pote needed a hat-trick against Maritimo. He only went and did it, Barney. He only went and did it. What an incredible day that was in terms of the golden boot because, blimey, I was thinking we're going to be looking at a season where Seferovic is top scorer. I mean, I don't think we could be having that. No, I don't think we can either. I mean, it was interesting. It was a fair edge, man. Like, you know, he's been so, you know, he had that great streak and then he was really quiet again and then he just puts in another fantastic performance. I mean, to be fair to the guy as well, he was only sort of getting starts sort of a third, further way through the season, wasn't mm, he? So, mm. whereas Poe has been, been starting all season. I mean, I'm, I'm really happy for Poe. I think, I think he deserves it. I think, He's he's been brilliant all season, and not only when he's scoring, but when he's not as well. He's he's been he's been effective. Whereas Severic, you could say, when he hasn't scored, he hasn't contributed that much. I guess interesting as well that it was the first time was it since ninety five ninety six that a Portuguese player won the Golden Boot, which is I couldn't really believe. Yeah, very interesting stat. I mean, a couple of players have got close. Pizzi last season was on uh, equal goals with Carlos Vinicius, but. Uh, finished at third based on assists and, and minutes per goal and, and, and stuff like that. I think there was another player around 2003, 2005, that kind of era, who got close. But that really is an incredible statistic. So, yeah, definitely good for Portugal to have a top scorer from the country and, and you know, fantastic for Pote's European uh, championship hopes this summer. Well, you'd like to think, but I'm not so sure, man. I mean, <laughs> it would be criminal if, like, the, top, the Portuguese top goal scorer in the Portuguese league Who's not even a striker? Yeah, doesn't doesn't get into the squad. It would be and, and someone like Rafa does. Anyway, <laughs> Albert, quickly, are, are you gutted that Sporting didn't get an unbeaten season? Well, this is an interesting question, isn't it? I mean, personally, I don't know how I would feel if I was a fan. I think if I was a Sporting fan who hadn't won the league in 19 years, it would have been nice. But ultimately, just thinking, we've got the one result that we needed to get, and that's being top of the table. I mean. You know, an unbeaten season is nice, you know, and people compare that unbeaten season with, with Porto when Andres Villas-Boas was, was manager. Let's not forget, there were two less teams in the league when Porto went unbeaten, so there were less games to play over the course of the season. I think Sporting have the record for the longest period of games in a season, 32 games uh, unbeaten, so they can they can be very proud of that. And look, if I was a Sporting fan, I don't think I would really care. <laughs> No, the only thing I'd be gutted was that it was Jorge Jesus who did it. I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather it was like CD National or something. Because <laughs> Benfica fans have been dining out on that a bit, haven't they? They like... have. <laughs> They've got to have something to celebrate this season, Barney. Free. <laughs> Right, well, the Liga Nosh season has come to a close. We're already gutted, we're already missing it, uh, and we're already looking forward to next season. We thought, just to end this last episode covering the league this season, what we're going to do is we're going to run through the table, and me and Marnie are going to have a little bit of a chat about each team, how their season's gone, maybe what they can expect for next season. Don't worry, next week we're going to do a full award show where we're going to be crowning our player of the season, manager of the season, our team of the season, all that type of stuff. So we've got that all to look forward to next week where we're going to go really in depth. But just on this episode, we want to give a little bit of a rundown and a bit of an opinion on every team in the league, starting from top to bottom and the easiest place to start by. We've just spoken about them sporting the first league in 19 years, almost unbeaten. They've won the league by five points. Nobody expected them to do it. 
there's not much to say other than incredible season. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think it's incredible achievement. Been so good to watch as well, haven't they? They've been like a, you know, I've really enjoyed seeing Amarin's tactics play out and the solidity of that team and the way they've really fought for, you know, mm. every game they've fought. And I've, yeah, that's been the best thing to watch. I think for a neutral, they've given us everything as well, haven't they? They've given us the good football to watch. They've given us the story of chasing the first mm. league in all those years. Even they gave us that moment when we thought they might bottle it. They gave us a little bit of drama. So they've really given us everything this season. So as neutrals, you know, we want to pay full credit to them. It's been a fantastic season. Congratulations to all the fans. There's not much we can say about this season. It is worth talking about next season, Barney. They've got to try and keep hold of that core group of players. There's already talk about them losing some of their star players. They'll want to try and keep hold of as many as possible. They've got Champions League to look forward to next season. And of course, the most important thing is that they follow up this season with another successful season next year. I'm not saying they have to win the league next season, but now they're real contenders and they have to establish their place as genuine challengers for the title, not just as a one-off. Yeah, and I think the thing with what we've seen at the beginning of this season, haven't we, with the the qualifying for the uh, European competitions is that it was hard for Sporting and it was hard for Benfica as well. And so it's, you know, if you're going to finish in third, you're not guaranteed getting into the group stages. And so, you know, that that's going to be the real battle, sort of trying to make sure they get the second spot, um, getting let, let, making sure Porto and Benfica stay down in third. Um, that'll be the tough challenge. And in terms of players, I would, yeah, there, I think there will be a few players moving on. Mm-hmm. I think Amarin's shown his ability to bring in youngsters and, you know, give them the opportunity to prove themselves. And they, that perhaps he's been lucky with them not letting him down, but... <laughs> I don't know. I think he's got that ability to to pick out a player. Um, and then when Cristiano Ronaldo signs as well, I'm sure they'll get the goals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, I would, I would love it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Cristiano Ronaldo lining up against the Estoril Pride defence next season? Absolutely. I'd love to see um, Bruno Tabata try and keep the number seven shirt. Well, look, Ruben Amarim himself has pledged his future to Sporting. He said he's not going anywhere. I think, you know, Sporting probably will lose a few players, but I think they just need to stick to the formula that got them to where they were this season, making smart signings. You know, they don't have to make big money signings. They don't have to break the bank. Just make your smart signings. Play that money ball, you know, bring in the players that suit the formation uh, and they'll be fine for next season. Porto, obviously, in second place then, Barney, five points behind, behind Sporting. I've said this a couple of times. Obviously, for Porto fans nothing but the title was good enough. So any any season where they don't win the league is going to be seen, deemed as a failure by them. But for me, as an outsider, as a neutral, I think this has been a very successful season for Porto. They haven't got the squad that they've had in the past. They haven't got that that strength of players that, that they've had before. They haven't got those star players that they've had before. They got to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. They knocked out Juventus. They stood their ground against Man City. They beat Chelsea over one, one of the two legs. They've qualified for automatic Champions League football. They've earned so much money from this season. They're in a fantastic place for next year. Honestly, I think this has been a very successful season for them. We're not going to do our predictions until much closer to next season. I've got a sneaky suspicion that Porto are in the best place to build a a title-winning side for next year. That's interesting now, because just two things you said there. First of all, you mentioned that they they haven't really had the, the strength and depth. Though to sort of count on that, when you look at towards the end, like the last two or three performances, when players like Grujic, Tony Martinez, Jean Mario have all come into this team and mm. been given opportunities, 
they've absolutely delivered. And to be, to be honest, I think the last few games they've been playing some of the best football I've seen all, all season for them in the league. But yeah, I think you know, look, they've lost twice a season. They're perhaps too many draws with eight draws. But um, no, I think they are in a good position. I think Contra Sal is a big factor, isn't he? He mentioned, you know, I think keeping him will be important. And also just quickly, sorry, on, on one particular, Grujic, I, I really hope he stays. You see him kissing the badge when he scored yeah. in the last game and like, you know, lots of talk of other other midfielders coming in, so perhaps him not getting uh, not getting um, signed permanently. So I, I don't know. I think he's good, but yeah, I I don't know. I don't know the stat the the, the points tally for winning teams in previous seasons. But you know, perhaps eighty points in a, a, another year would have won you the title. It's just that Sporting have been so fantastic. Well, they've had a fantastic second half of the season as well. They didn't lose a single game. They got four more points in Sporting in the second half of the season. Obviously, that second half of the season also included, as I said, beating Juventus, getting to the quarterfinal of the Champions League. So an awful lot to be positive about. I think next season is going to be it can be a very interesting one. I've, I'm going to follow their transfer activity with great interest. I'm really interested to see what route they go down, what players they bring in. Because they brought in some good players in the past. They've also brought in some players that have been wasted. You know, So it's going to be interesting to see how they do. Third place then, Barney. Benfica, 76 points. Nine points off the title, four points off FC Porto, and they go into a Champions League qualifying spot that we know is a very tricky spot for Benfica, as they proved in this season. Yeah, and I think for, for us this season, we we've been really heavy on Benfica, haven't we? And mm. uh, and, I, and I think you know that's just simply because of the fact that they spent eighty million euros on on players, mm. had a strong squad already. Mm. And just absolutely failed to deliver. I mean, it's almost unheard of, isn't it? I mean, this, in, in terms of this league and the money spent, there's absolutely huge amount. And so, yeah, it's, it's been, of course, it's been a dis- really disappointing season for them. I think they're still in the cup, aren't they? So they might win that. But then, you know, ask a Benfica fan, ask any Portuguese football fan, you know, the league's the one, you know, tackle mm. the league, it doesn't mean too much. I'm so interested to see them next season because. The squad's still not right, and they're yeah. going to have to spend again. And it's whether they've got that money, man. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how they're going to line up on the first game and next season. What players they give another opportunity to? What players they let go? Obviously, Jorge Jesus has got one more year on his contract. I don't see him leaving. And with him at the helm, I wonder if they will change their ways. I think it's been an unsuccess- unsuccessful season, and I think they do need a difference. I think I see George Jesus in the same way that people see Jose Mourinho these days as a kind of short-term manager. He's not the manager you bring in when you need to build a team for the next 10 years. He's the manager you bring in to bring you short-term success now. He hasn't done that. I think he'll still be here next year. I'm worried that it it will mean there's not much more success for them this year. But then, of course, also we can talk about managers, we can talk about transfer policy, we can talk about all this stuff. But the players themselves as well need to get their act together. So I wonder, you know, if the players themselves can find it within them to to up their level. You know, there's players, previously reliable players who've not been good enough. Rafa, Pizzi, you know, players like that who, if seasons gone by, were were not just reliable players, but but vital players. And I think, you know, maybe if some of the players can step up, then they'll be in a better position. But currently, I'm not full of optimism for them. Uh, what, what sums up? you know, not having much optimism for Benfica next season is the fact that they're rumoured with David Luiz. Like, <laughs> and it's such, on, a, it's such a George Jesus <laughs> signing, isn't it? Only he would look at this season and go, you know what I need? Another <laughs> overpaid 32-year-old centre-back. You know, it's, just, it's Exactly. It's just, it's, just, it's just ridiculous. I mean, he'd probably sell a few shirts, but that's ridiculous. <laughs> Let's talk about Braga, Barney. Fourth place, 64 points, 
21 points off the title. I'm not sure that's even a relevant point. Most importantly, 12 points off third place. We've praised Braga a lot this season at times. The second half of their season has been very disappointing. The form has really dropped off. And I don't want to be harsh because fourth place, of course, is where we expect Braga to be. We consider them the fourth best team in the league. And I think fourth place is what they would have budgeted for. So it works on a lot of levels. But I do sense that there's just a sense of missed opportunity here with teams like Benfica being so weak. Maybe I'm being harsh. Maybe I'm not being harsh. Maybe the listeners will agree with me. I don't think it's been good enough for them. And I think at the beginning of the season, when we saw them playing some fantastic football, we, we expected more. Absolutely, man. Uh, absolutely. And there, there was that point in the season where they were second, weren't they? And you just felt like that that was the moment where they could, you know, just finish above Benfica. But yeah, like I said, this the second half has been absolutely dreadful. I think they, they've been unlucky with a few bad injuries, of course. And then I don't know. The defence certainly needs work. Mm-hmm. But then there was a few decisions, like they they sold a defender, uh, Bruno Viana, in January, and I think that was a big loss. Uh, I think bigger than uh, they perhaps expected. The thing is, isn't it, Albert, that it all depends on what the president and the, the board see about, think about Carlos Cavalier, uh, because I think we've seen it when he was, it's time in the Cubs in England, where the narrative builds and people say, you can't do this experiment, you can't play this style. And that's when things start falling apart, I think. Um, they got some good players to come back on loan, but yeah, for me, it uh, potentially one of the biggest disappointments this season for me. Mm. I don't think that's I don't think that's too harsh. I think I think there is work to be done with that squad. I think some of the signings were a little bit questionable as well. You know, bringing uh, Sporari and bringing Borgia in from Sporting oh. that seemed like kind of an opp- opportunistic signing. It's difficult. I think they need reinforcements in a few places, but also, as you say, they're getting players in back from loan. So the squad is going to be interesting to see how how they manage that. I would just love, and I'm sure a lot of neutrals would just love Braga to have a season where they genuinely challenge for that top three and break into those Champions League spots. That would be a high standard to set themselves, but I think it would be good for them to do that. I think they're probably doing that already. No, and it's going to be even harder now. Sporting have sort of start, got this platform now that they're yeah. just going to improve. It's going to be so hard for them to break into that top three. And of course, there'll be teams breathing down their back. That team this year was Passos de Ferreira. They finished in fifth place, albeit on 53 points. So again, 11 points behind Braga. Not really in danger of troubling them. Interesting season for Passos because they started off as the star boys. They started off as everybody's second favourite team. The team everybody wanted to play. But again, similar to Braga, the second half of the season has not been very successful. I've been looking at the table for the second half of the season. For the second half of the season, they're in 12th place. You know, They only got 19 points in, in the second half of their game. So a massive drop in form. They were lucky in some senses that there wasn't a real strong challenge there to knock them off that fifth, fifth place. I do worry about them next season. Obviously, look, don't get me wrong. Let's talk about the positives. Incredible achievement for them to get European football. They played some lovely football. They've got some great players, but they're going to lose the manager next year. They're going to lose a number of key players. And I do worry about how they will perform with a new manager and a different squad next year. I don't think their aim next year should be European football again. I think their aim next year should just be survival. Yeah, I think that's fair because, you know, we shouldn't forget they're, they're not the biggest club, are they? And like you said, they're fantastic season. They deserve everything they get for it. I do sort of feel... That you know, as soon as the rumors about Pepper leaving came about, that's mm. when things started to fall apart. And then obviously he announced is he's moving on before the end of the season, which I always think is a bad move from any manager uh, or any club. Sorry to to allow someone to do that because it just you know it never ends well. And then I, I I said to you that I think perhaps you could even tie it in with the 
point where he was probably being courted by the same Victoria. Mm-hmm. So that's when you yeah. know, he might have lost his focus. I don't know. But yeah, it's, I think the best thing about Passos is the amount the players stepped up in that squad. Because yeah. at the beginning of the season, there's no net team you think, right, he's going to have a great season. He's going to have a great season. He's going to. But then so many of that squad just, you know, oh, absolutely stepped up to the mark, overachieved by all accounts. And for a fair amount of the season, did it week in, week out as well. And uh, yeah, uh, that's been the best thing from Passos. It's just the improvement in those players. Definitely, definitely. And obviously in sixth place, we've spoken a lot about Santa Clara on the show already. We're not going to spend too much more time in them. The one point that I want to bring up on Santa Clara, Brian, that some people might overlook, they've got a goal difference of plus eight. So they're the only team outside of the top four to have a positive goal difference. I'm not sure what that says, to be honest, but I think it's just another example of, of what a successful uh, season it's been. Of course, they took that sixth place at the expense of Vittoria de Guimaraes, who went down to seventh on 43 points, three points behind Santa Clara on 46. Now, I said it already, Vittoria de Guimaraes did not deserve that sixth European spot because they have been abysmal this season. I've mentioned the second half of the season table a number of times. The whole reason I looked at it, Barney, was to look at Vittoria de Guimaraes. In the second half of the season, based on the last 17 games played, Vittoria de Guimaraes are second bottom of the whole table. They got 12 points from 17 games. They got five left points than Ferenc, who were automatically relegated. It was abysmal form, absolutely dreadful. I don't even know where to start about what they need to do next season. The squad, in my opinion, is a mess. There is some serious work that needs to do on that squad. I think they need to get a serious manager in. And I worry about them next season. I think the mess that they're in is not a one transfer window job to fix. I think we could be looking at at least another season where they don't succeed before they manage to get, you know, the squad in order, the team spirit in order and the style of football in order that they need to get back to where they want to be, which is a top five team. Well, Albert, I mean, look, in a season where sixth place will get you an opportunity to play in Europe and for Vittorio to not be in there, you know, the success they've had the last few seasons is absolutely terrible. Yeah. Um, I can't believe the second half of the season. It's been like a, it's been a shit show. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we talked last week about, you know, potentially Pepper coming in and what, what he might bring to the squad. I think you're right. I, I don't think it's a one transfer new manager job. I think it's it's going to be a long-term thing. They really need to restructure what's going on. I mean, it is like you said, it's just incredible that they're in seventh and having been on this horrible run the second half of the season. And I, do you know what? We talked about him a favorite time, Andre Almeida. They've got to keep him. They've got to build build in the field around him. Absolutely, um, and, and potentially Amaro as well. They just they need to they need to maybe start again, start from scratch. I think Andre Almeida has been one of the few positives that they can take from the second half of the season. Look, we talk about Victoria Gimaraes a lot as well. And one of the main reasons for that, Barney, is of course the fact that they've got three English players on the books. And I think I want to take a moment to to talk about their seasons as well. I want to start with the player that we talk about least, Barney, Jacob Maddox. Uh, the former Chelsea player, former Southampton player that, that signed this summer as a free transfer. He's the player who's had the least minutes. Uh, and as much as I would love to see an English lad do well in this club, I think, unfortunately, he is emblematic of the questionable transfer policy that Pretoria had in the summer where they brought in a lot of players that you could say were strange choices from countries all around the world. They took gambles on young players. Obviously, Jacob Maddox won the under-19 Euros with England, he was part of that same squad that Issa Suleiman and, and Marcus Edwards was. I think he's played only a handful of games a season. He's played less than five games. I'm not sure what his total minutes are, but I really do feel for him because 
as I say, he as a player is, is probably emblematic of the kind of scattergun transfer approach that that has just failed Vittoria this year. There's so many youngsters they brought in. I think you made a good point earlier about Boa Vista, where you know they don't sign within the league. They've they've experimented and gone looked looked elsewhere, and it hasn't paid off. Um, yeah, Maddox. I think for me, I, I I'm not expected to see much of him next season either. I don't think he doesn't seem to be fancied there. Yeah, Issa Suleiman's the next one, Barney. He's played slightly more minutes than Jacob Maddox, although also struggled to cement a place in that side. People know that we're big fans of Issa. He's another player that, that we talk about a lot. I maintain that I think he's good enough to play centre-back for uh, a team at Victoria's level. I think he's good enough to play centre-back for most teams in this league. He's just struggled to catch a break this season, is what I feel. I think it's fair to say that Joao Henriquez didn't fancy him too much. Uh, and by the time the kind of interim managers being OK came in, uh, he wasn't obviously first choice. He got a chance towards the end of the season and I thought he did pretty well. It was a shame that he got he got sent off a few games ago. I wonder what he'll be thinking this summer, Barney. He's on a long-term contract. I think he's got at least two years on his contract. He's not quite cemented his, his place in the squad. It's possible that Victoria will be looking at different types of players, maybe more domestically experienced players to bring in at centre-back. I wonder what his future holds. Whatever happens, as I said with Ryan, we're very proud to see English players playing in this league and, and, and we support him to the hill. And if he wants to stay in this league, I, I back him to to succeed if that's what he wants. Yeah, I think he's got to move there. I think he's got to go to a different club. I think Vittorio will strengthen at centre-back. I think he won't be given an opportunity. So yeah, I, I'd like to see him move and I'd like to see him start, man, because I think once he gets a run of games, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll really see what he can offer. And of course, if he does come back to England, we'll support him here as well. The last player, Barney, obviously, Marcus Edwards. Very interesting season for him. You felt like he was on an upward trajectory for the last few years, especially last year when I thought he had a fantastic season. What do you make of his season this year? Because I think it's fair to say that it's been a bit of a dip. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's been all over the place. He hasn't been given runs in the team. He's been dropped quite regularly. Um, players like Rashino have sort of come through. And I don't know if you could even just pin it down to the sign of Charisma, who, you know, plays in his position right wing and that not knowing who to play whether it's Kresma or whether it's Edwards and that sort of distracted him that maybe the pressure of a a bigger name coming in because he was he was the biggest name in that squad last season I I think that's fair to say and then suddenly for Kresma you know Portuguese legend to come in and still a bit of the limelight perhaps I don't know he's young I want to see more of him man I think you know we were always expecting really big things from him and we just haven't seen it there was a time when he was being linked with some of the top teams in Portugal and it was possible that he would make a move to a uh, to a Porto, to a Sporting. Obviously, he's got that longer contract now, that 50 million euro release clause. So I'm not sure if that's going to be affordable for clubs in Portugal. It's possible that a team in England might come in for him. I'm sure he has ambitions to to play at home again. But again, another player that will be, will be supporting to the hilt as English fans of this league. Let's move down the league, Barney. Eighth place tomorrow ends on 43 points. They actually finished on the same points as Vitória de Guimarães. Obviously, they were a place below uh, based on the head-to-head. And Family Cow in ninth, a very interesting one. Uh, 40 points. Incredible that they were doing so badly at the beginning of the season and managed to turn it around to the point where they were almost in with a shout of of European football. I think Family Cow are going to be a fascinating team to look at next season because if they can continue that trajectory that they started. Again, I'm going to go back to the second half of the season table. They finished fifth based on the games in the second half of the table. So they will have real ambitions to not only match that, but also strengthen. Yeah, definitely. And like, you know, the unexpected success they had last season um, and the fact that they've 
been able to, you know, there was there was a time, wasn't it, where they were scrapping a bit at the bottom, but now they're back up ninth. Like you mentioned, a few a few points of of European spot. Yeah, I, I'm excited for them this season. You mentioned Morens as well, but a team I haven't watched enough um, this season. I know you're a big fan of their manager. Mm. Um, they were they always in a a shout of nicking into that Conference League space. Uh, I I want to. I'm excited about them next season. I think I, I caught a few glimpses of their game last night. They look exciting. There's some good players, and like you mentioned as well, that a really balanced squad. Yeah, I do like their squad. I'm also looking forward to watching them next season. Although I do just have a sense that next season we're going to see slightly more competition for those European places. I mean, you know, if Santa Clara can maintain their form, if Family Cow are going to be resurgent, if Victoria Digimorash do better. So I'm not sure whether they'll be able to improve on what they've done this season, but what they've done this season is uh, an achievement nonetheless. 10th place, Barney, B-Sad, 11th, Jean Vicente, and 12th, Tondela. Three teams in an interesting spot because not threatened by relegation, but also not really ever threatening uh, the European spots. Solid seasons. Uh, B-Sad are an interesting one. I think we almost have to be careful of being biased against them because obviously there's the kind of stigma around them based on what happened with Osbelanerges and things like that. It's possible. It's easy to kind of be biased in a negative sense towards them. I haven't watched enough of them, but the little bits that I did catch towards the end of the season, I was impressed by a lot of their players. They've got a front three that I that I really like. There's some good players there. They've obviously done relatively well. And, you know, in terms of how the players have played, I think there's some very positive signs there. I think, yeah, I think they've got the fifth best defence in the league as well. And that's what they've, their season's sort of been built around, hasn't it? I think they've been they, they've been solid in that sense. And then, yeah, I, they could be an outside shout for a team that really improves next season if they get a couple more signings. I think there's some really exciting players there. Gilvercent as well and Tonde, I think, are both similar in terms of that. They've been really hit and miss, haven't they? So, you know, one week they'll get a great win, a surprise win perhaps against a, a, a better team and then they'll lose the next week. Um, some good players in that's, those teams. I think Tonde are the one for me that I sort of, at the beginning of the season, I would have tipped to have been in the relegation scrap. Mm. But um, they've, they've pleasantly surprised me and I think Mario Gonzalez has a lot to do with that. Yeah, I would like to give some credit to, to Tonde and the manager Paco Ayestaran. They've had differing form at home and away, haven't they? They've had good form at home and, and pretty poor form away. I think that was exemplified in the last game of the season on the Tuesday night. They played Passos de Perret. Obviously, Passos is a team we placed a lot, praised a lot, playing in European spaces. I thought Tondela looked the better team, you know? So I think there is definitely talent there. And as you say, Mario Gonzalez, a player that a lot of people are raving about. It's going to be fascinating to see whether a team can tempt him back to Portugal from Valencia uh, in the summer. I think that's going to be... He looks like a top striker that could that could do really well. Uh, in this level. Uh, the last few teams, Barney, obviously we've spoken about the relegation battle at length. Porto Menens and Maritimo though in 14th and 15th. Porto Menens, obviously the darlings of the league. I think we've got a big spot for them. We've got a soft spot for their, some of their players. You know, I think they've played some good football. I would love to see them do well again next year. Some players I'd like to give credit to. Beto, Elton Boa, Morte, Anzai, the left back. Oh, so many players that I could name. I think there's some real talent in that squad. Obviously, we expect Beto to leave. I would like to see the core of that group stay together and uh, and have another good season because I think I've really warmed to them this year. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's a, a couple of um, youngsters in that midfield as well, Lukinas and... Um, oh, Dennis not young, is he? But uh, Dennis, Dennis <laughs> impressed me. Um, Dennis impressed me. Yeah, I, I, you know, when you look at the table, though, we have, like, they're only a point off the playoff spot. Mm. They did enough, didn't they, that that when better had that good run of form, but the, the last five games have been, I think, the three losses and two draws, so uh, a little hairy. Yeah, 
Maritimo as well, they've done enough, didn't they? I think they, they performed when it mattered, essentially, didn't they? Yeah. Against the teams in and around them. And yeah, they've had, they've done well to, to get themselves out of that relegation. Yeah, I think well, Julio Velasquez did really well when he came in. And I think, importantly, he did really well with one of the worst squads in the league. I think let's not forget that. There's not an awful lot of talent in that squad. I think Joel Togo has been a revelation as a striker. And mm-hmm. he could well move on to to a bigger team. Um, I don't expect much more from them next season. But if they stick with Velasquez and stick with the way they were playing, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure they will be safe. Obviously, Rio Ave in 16th, Ferenz in 17th, and Nacional in 18th. We've discussed already, uh, and we look forward to the relegation playoff, uh, whoever that will be against. Well, I think that's just about all we've got time for on this week's show. This is the last weekly roundup episode of Long Ball Football until next season. But fear not. We've got plenty of good stuff planned over the summer. We're going to be doing the Long Ball Football Awards next year, where we'll be dishing out things like best player, best team, best manager, all that sort of stuff. We've got some interviews and some guests lined up that we're excited to share with you soon, and maybe even a little way that some of the fans can get involved. So there's plenty to look forward to over the summer. I think we both just also like to take the opportunity to say a massive thank you to everybody who's listened to the show over the season me and Barney started this as a very very crazy idea just as two massive football nerds who were fans of this league and, and wanted to do something in our spare time and we've been overwhelmed by the response that we've had from people so I know Barney will reiterate when I say that we just want to say a massive thank you to everybody who's listened who's commented who's followed us on Twitter who's engaged with us uh, it's really meant the world to us this season yeah man and like you said we're not doing this to try and like get sponsorship and get get that sponsorship money or anything like that we just <laughs> like although i would love Superbox to give us a call just to but reiterate like, we would accept a sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> no but we we've done this to because of the love of the league yeah. which which has just grown and grown this season mm. um i think portuguese football culture in general the fans so like so passionate and like i don't know all that stuff i think the other thing as well man it's been it's just been it's been such a good thing to a little project to focus on. And I've mentioned before the gratification I get whenever someone just even likes a post on Twitter or whatever, like it, <laughs> it means so much to me. I really appreciate everyone who's, who gets involved with the podcast. Um, but I would, Albert, I would like to grow as well, man. I, 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 mm. want, I want more and more people to hear it because there's not enough English language content out there. There's some very good people doing this good stuff already. That's not, and we're not trying to like take their crown or anything like that, but you know, I, I love doing this. And I, yeah, I, I, I want us to keep going and keep growing. Absolutely. And don't worry, we will be doing more over the summer and we will be back for next season. We're already planning how we're going to, the content that we're going to be putting out for next season. So of course, if you wanted to give something back, we would love it if you've enjoyed an episode of the show this season to leave a little review on Apple Podcasts. We're not entirely sure what it means, but apparently uh, it does good things for the show and helps us to grow. So it would mean a lot. Or of course, you could just send it to a friend, word of mouth, recommend it to somebody you think might might enjoy it and yeah that would be fantastic well look we're going to leave it there as i said next week you can expect the long ball football awards if you want to get in contact with your opinions on anything we've said on the show today you can get us on twitter at long ball football or you can send us a little email at long ball football on gmail.com but that just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week yeah see you there